You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. Hey man, y'all can be seated. I'm going to dive into this. We're going to twist things up a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to start off by by preaching the Word of God. Is that okay with y'all today? To diving into the Word of God and and then we're going to uh, have a time of communion. We're going to have a time where the band comes up and they're going to they're going to they're going to walk us through worship as we pour out our love to God. But I wanted to share something. I just I just you know I was talking to, to Patrick and Noah and we just you know this we're truly led by God and in these moments you just never know what God wants to speak. Amen. And we study. We we write. Now I do have preaching notes. I got like ten pages. Y'all, y'all gonna hang in here with me. Some of, you, some of you are like looking for the exit door already. <laughs> I, got, I got a few pages here. But I wanted to start off because as we are in this lovers of God, and it's, it's how many know we have to be obedient to, to God, to that prompting of the Holy Spirit, to when God begins to, to, to prompt us to do something. And if we love God, you know, I've always said this, it should produce a love for other people beyond ourselves. And when you really love God and God speaks to you, how many ever had God speak to you to do something and you didn't do it? Yeah, we all, we all, we all been there. And we, and we said, what? I'll, I'll do it next time. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you next time, God. I promise next time you, next time you speak to me to do that, I'll, I'll be obedient. I'll do it. And, and I was, uh, right before service, uh, Don was sharing a story with me. Uh, and, and, and I said, Don, thanks for sharing that. I got to share that. And I, I really believe that was God because when God prompts you to do something, then it would behoove you, that's a big word, to do it. Amen? When he really, the Holy Spirit is pressing on you. And so Don and Andrea, Don, I hope I get this right. I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it. But they were, uh, they were at Walmart, leaving Walmart, and was, was re- waiting at a, a, was it a, a red light. And they saw a gentleman there. Uh, how many guys ever been to Walmart and you see people there, they've got signs, they're, they're needing a handout, uh, money or just something. And how many ever felt like you wanted to do something and then you were like, well, I don't know where that money's going. Come on, we've all been there. I'm just being real and honest. What are they going to do with that? But when the Holy Spirit is pressing you to do something and Don and Andrew were there and the Holy Spirit pressed upon them to give that gentleman some money and, as, and, and they had the green light but they gave him money, right, Don? Gave him, as they were giving him money, it's almost like God was holding them up because somebody came through, ran a red light right in front of them. Y'all tracking with me? They're at the light. They got the green light, they're, but they're, they're waiting to hand this guy money because the Holy Spirit said, hand this person money. They're at the green light. How many of you know when it's green light, you go? But their obedience put a pause in their going by blessing somebody. And as they looked up, somebody barreled through a red light that would have broadsided their car. And I can't help but think if they had not been obedient, Don, you may not be here today telling me that story. No, obedience is key. And if we're going to be lovers of God, when God speaks to us to do things, we've got to step out in faith, and we've got to do those things. I just want to share that. I don't, I don't, 
That's not even in my notes or anything, but I just think that's going to bless somebody today. Come on, come on, somebody bless the Lord. That's going to bless somebody today. So let me dive into this. I just, I, I just could, that's, that's just an amazing story. And that all ties into Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And when you live your life on purpose and you welcome the Holy Spirit, then he will prompt you to do some things, amen? But as we continue, lovers of God, uh, y'all give it up for Patrick. I think he preached our third week of lovers of God, did an amazing job. Uh, so good to see Pastor Patrick on stage preaching the word of God. And then so as we continue on, this is our fourth week of lovers of God. And I'll just give you the background uh, scripture as we've been talking about that. But I want to dive in deep. Everybody say deep. deep. I want to dive in a little bit deep today as we just really open up ourselves uh, to receive God's love. Okay. But 2 Timothy 3, 1 uh, through 4 says this, but know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of who? Themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. You ever come across an unloving person, just mean? Just, you know, just mean. And you wonder, like, like you know, and, and we don't judge that person, but we should have some questions. Like, what has caused that person to be that mean? Unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, Paul is telling young Timothy, who's a pastor and who's in charge of the body of Christ, the church back then, and he's like, hey, Timothy, I just want to give you a little heads up. This is what's going to be in your generation. Now, this was years ago, but... If you ever had a question of whether the Bible is almost like prophetic, reading this, how many would, would agree to where what I just read, you see that out on a daily basis in front of you? Anybody see that? Okay. Now, this wasn't written last night. <laughs> okay. They didn't break the news last night. But the Bible is very prophetic. And Paul is telling Timothy, you, this is what you're going to be up against. And when I think about this, and when I look at this, and we're just being real and honest. How many of you, that scripture right there, you can pick out at least two things that, that you've been in your life. You, 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 you can pick them out. And God doesn't do that to judge us or condemn us. Amen. He's not trying to make us feel bad. He's not trying to make us feel like we're unworthy. But God comes along with this, this love and this strong love. He loves us in truth. He loves us enough to call us out. He loves us enough to say, hey, what you're doing is not right. And he doesn't do that on a megaphone. He's not going to come across and say, hey, Joe, what you're doing is wrong, wrong, wrong. No, he's not going to do that. But God will come along and he will, because of his tough love, everybody say tough love. If, 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 you, are, if you are a parent, of, then you understand tough love to where you've got you've to be Extend love, and it's tough, and it hurts your kids, and at the same time, it hurts you as well. 
And if you got a girl that rolls her, those little eyes, those little puppy dog eyes, where's Carrington? She's back there. She knows now. She's hiding from me. <laughs> it's tough love. But how many are thankful for God's tough love that comes to our life so that we can receive his love? This is very important, guys, because we can't be effective if we don't feel like God loves us. We can't. We can't. We cannot be effective if we don't feel like God loves us. And it's the enemy's job to come along and beat us up and to make us think that we are unworthy. And here's the truth of it is, there's nothing you can do that would cause God to stop loving you. When my kids were born, there was nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do today that would cause me to stop loving them. Now, sometimes I don't like them. There is a difference between love and like. Sometimes they do stuff like, I'm not liking y'all right now. But I love them, and God loves us. But, but let's deal with some tough stuff. Y'all, st- y'all still tracking with me? Let's deal with some, stu- some tough questions. How do I love God while still dealing with sin in my life? I mean, no, the devil will eat your lunch, and he will make you think. Who, who do you think you are? But the fact is, 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 is I, I have to still love God, and I still can receive God's love. Or here's another question. Is loving God a feeling, or is it a commitment? That's deep right there. Because there's going to be people that you love, you're not going to feel like you love them sometimes. That's, that's reality. And we can't mix up our relationship with God with our relationship with people. Here's the truth of this. There's going to be some times you wake up, you don't feel like a Christian. There's going to be some thoughts you have that come across your mind that you can be like, man, where'd that come from? But is loving God a feeling or is it a commitment? We have to make a decision. I've, I've got to be committed to loving God. Because if I'm committed to loving God, regardless of how I feel, anybody ever beat them on, your own self up over something you did and, and you, you told yourself you were unworthy and you told yourself you were no good, you told yourself, how can God, how can God even love me for what I've done? But here's the thing, guys. Receiving God's love in your life is going to make us understand that we've got to receive God's love in our darkest moments. We've got to receive God's love in our worst failures. We're going to love God. This is not a, this is not a one-way relationship. But so many times there's people that struggle with, I don't even think God could love me because of my past. And not just my past, but because of my present. Because of what I've done. How can, how can this God love me? And the truth of it is, listen, once again, there's nothing you can do that can stop God from loving you. I've got to receive God's love in my worst failures. I've got to receive God's love while having sinful thoughts and desires. How, how can that love break through? Because I don't want to be this way. And God is so good. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt ashamed because somebody was so good to you and you were bad to them? 
And that's the job of the enemy to come along because he can't mess up God's goodness. That's a flow that will never stop going towards you. God's goodness, his mercy, and his grace. But if we're going to impact this world, we've got to know that we know. It, God, listen, God's goodness doesn't give us a license to sin. Amen? God's goodness doesn't give us a license, doesn't give us a free pass to do what we want to do. We'll dive into that in a little bit. But God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy ultimately can transform our lives so that we can be that light. Everybody say light. So that we can be that light that shines in a dark world. So we can be that light that can, that can point somebody to Christ. But here's the thing. If you're struggling with whether or not if God loves you, then your light flickers. Anybody ever had a flickering light in their house? It's what, Sarah? You said it. It's annoying. There's a flickering light right now in, in, in my house, in my food pantry. And it's supposed to be automatic as soon as you open the doors. The light senses you, but it's flickering. Now, here's the thing. You can build up a tolerance against something that irritates you. Ryan, I know I should be up there changing the light, but I've built up a tolerance. It's flickering. Sometimes at night you can't even see what's in the food pantry, so you're just grabbing stuff. But I'm not changing it. I've got, a, I've got another light bulb in the closet. I should, Patrick, I should be changing it, but I've built up a tolerance. Everybody say tolerance. tolerance. Knowing I should change something. Got everything I need to change it. Got the extra light bulb, got the step ladder. But my tolerance has caused me to compromise in a way. So, you know what? I can deal with that. It's, it's not bad. It flickers a little bit. It gives a little dim light. Then my daughter the other day, like, Dad, you, this light flickering, you going to change it? I mean, then that's the, that's, I call that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Somebody who's not able to change it knows it should be changed. Uh-oh, now, now I'm meddling with somebody right now. And that's how the Holy Spirit comes along. My little daughter, Dad, you're going to change the light? It's, it's flickering. We can't see. But I've built up a compromising tolerance. And that's what happens, listen, when we don't allow the love of God to come to us, to receive his love, to allow his love and his goodness to change us so that we're no longer a flickering light. Uh-oh, in this world. You know what? why the world gets turned off by Christians? Because they're flickering. They get confused by Christians that are what? Flickering. Wait a minute. I shouldn't be, shouldn't be flickering. I, I, I should allow the Holy Spirit to come in and deal with these dark areas in my life, God's goodness to come in so that I can be a bright, shining light. But we misrepresent God when we don't allow his goodness to come in. Y'all still tracking with me? I'm not mad at anybody. This is just we've got to reach this step so that we can be a bright light in this world. I don't want to be a flickering light. 
I know y'all going to text me today, did you change the light? Yes, I'm going to go home and change that. It's going to be the first thing I do. I'm going to get home. I'm going to change that light out. Because even as I'm preaching this, the Holy Spirit is convicting me. There's a, and it's not a light bulb in my kitchen, but, but the light of God that should be shining bright in me and through me. What am I not allowing from God to come into my life to change that, to flip that? Not just so I can say, hey, I'm a bright light, but no, so that I can walk into a dark world and draw other people and point them to Christ. Amen? God's love is everlasting. Got a couple scriptures, then we're going to tell a little story, and then we're going to wrap it all up. Uh, In Jeremiah 31, verse 3, this is when... God's word is talking to Israel. It says, the Lord appeared from of old to me, Israel, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everybody say everlasting. Everlasting. With an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Now, that everlasting, it's nonstop. It's an everlasting love. But it's not for us to abuse that everlasting love. It's for us to recognize and realize that when we're in some dark moments or we've, we've made a mistake or we're, you ever feel yourself drifting away from God? Drifting away from that, that, that burning fire that you once had when you first met God? When you feel yourself drifting away, it's God's everlasting love. It's his love that, that, that can draw you back. It says this right here. With an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you. When you're drifting away, God still has a way of showing you his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And then you hit a realization that, man, I don't even deserve this. Have you ever been blessed by God or blessed by somebody and you feel like you didn't deserve it? I don't even deserve this, but, but, but God is like, no, no, you do. Because you, you're my child. My love will always go towards you to draw you back to myself. And we've got to recognize those moments in our life. And that's why I was so, I was telling Patrick and Noah, I said, hey, guys, let's, let's, let's start off the service just with an intimate moment of worship because those are the moments that bring eternal change. Those are the moments when, you're, when you feel God's presence all around you. Those are those moments that, that do deep work. Everybody say deep. Those moments do the deep work within your spirit. When it's just you and God and, and, and he's pouring out and, and you're listening to him. It's those moments that empower you to walk out into a dark world and be an attractive light to people that are hurting, people that are lost, people that are wounded, Sarah, people that are bruised, people that, that need hope. Because we've allowed ourselves to get in these moments and experience and receive his love in our worst moments. Romans 2.4 says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Can anybody say amen to that one? I know I can. There's been many times I would probably gave up on myself, but God was still patient, David. God was still there with me. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Man, that is, 
That's a powerful scripture right there because here's the thing. This is the truth that, that we know that when we hit these moments, the Bible says, one translation says, it's the goodness of God that causes man to repent and turn back to him. It's God's goodness. And when we hit those moments where we're drifting, we're drifting. I mean, when you hear that word drift, it never comes with a, a good connotation. It's always, I mean, you never hear somebody say, I drifted into this blessing. <laughs> you never hear somebody say, I drifted into this wonderful relationship with God. But usually when you hear drift, what do you think about? Somebody getting... There's my phobia of the ocean again because of sharks, not because I can't swim. I do know how to swim. But, but if I get in the ocean, I want to make sure I don't drift too far away. Because when you drift away, there's nothing holding you, nothing grounding you. When you drift away in your relationship with God, you drift away from his love, and you drift away from his goodness, and you don't allow that to be a magnet that draws you back because if we're not careful, the enemy will come in and he will make you think, man, there's, you just, you're a hypocrite. You ever heard that in your mind? I tell you what, you know, being, <laughs> Heather and I, uh, a couple years ago, we, we would, uh, several years ago, we wrote this book about relationships and dating and things. And so that opened up some doors for us to, to go out and travel and speak and and uh, we do marriage conferences and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this pattern began to hit. It's like two weeks before the conference, we get into this horrible fight. Like arguing over something silly. And it's like, like the devil would eat my lunch, Ryan. Like, like you finna go talk about marriage and y'all mad at each other? Like, it was horrible. And I'm feeling like I'm on stage talking about marriage. And we're in this fight, and I know y'all looking at me like, well, do pastors fight? Yeah, yeah, we fight good. No, I'm <laughs> we, we've learned how to fight real good, and, you know, the biggest thing for us is we know when we're fighting, we're on the same team. We're fighting for each other. But it doesn't mean we don't get into arguments, and it's like, man, we got, I got to go sit on stage, and we got to sit on stage, and, and I just remember, I remember the first time that happened, it was like, and, and it's not huge arguments, but just something that caused a little rift, and, but I'm on stage, and it's like the devil, the first time I did that, the devil's eating my lunch. Who do you think? You're, you're talking about marriage, and y'all mad at each other? I said this earlier, is loving God a feeling or a commitment? It's a commitment. Loving your spouse, is that a feeling or a commitment? It's a Commitment. And in those moments, Patrick, I, I really had to, to receive God's love to combat the thoughts of the enemy that was trying to tell me, you are a hypocrite sitting on stage teaching about marriage, and y'all are mad at each other. I mean, that's real stuff. And that's how the enemy comes in. Who do you think you are? You're trying to witness to somebody? And you've drifted away from God? Oh, I mean, no, the devil will beat you up. But this is where you've got to be committed to God, not based on a feeling, but based on your faith. Because we know without God, we can't get it right. Amen? Without God, we will always be. I mean, we will probably do something tomorrow 
that we need repentance from. That's just a given. Today, before we leave here, we may... <laughs> Today's first Sunday, we got some snacks out there. I'm going I'm to probably eat more than I probably should. Like, Lord, forgive me for being a glutton, you know? I just... But that's that cycle that has to be broken by us knowing, hey, listen, God loves us. We receive his love. And it's not one of these, well, God knows how I am. Exactly. That's why he's loving you the way he's loving you. So it can produce change. Don't get stuck in this rut. Well, God, God knows this is the way he made me. No, no, no. Use the way you made you. Life circumstances made you that way. But when you receive his love, it causes you, his goodness causes man to, wow, I, I need to do better. I got to do better than this right now. Because God's love is so profound and it's so strong. I mean, no, God's love will make you want to get your act together. That's the bottom line because he loves us. Amen. Y'all still tracking with me? Give me a hand clap to encourage me. I'm almost, I'm going to wrap this up and we'll probably have to continue it again next week. But I want to wrap this up with a story uh, in the Bible. This is where David and Bathsheba, y'all remember that story? Raise your hand if you've heard that story, David and Bathsheba. And here's the thing, that's in there. There's so many lessons in that story, David and Bathsheba. So many lessons we can learn. And I believe it's in there for a reason, to teach us as we continue on with our our journey with God, we're going to all hit some, some, some failed moments, and it's never going to be, you know, it's never going to be one of these things, because David is, like, when you think of one of the greatest kings in the Bible, who do you think about? You think about David. You think about the fact that, that God said, uh, before he was even anointed king, he told the prophet, hey, go, I found a man who's going to be my next king. He has a heart after my own heart. That's, that's King David. But David was flesh and blood like you and I, and he hit some, some low moments that he started drifting away from God. How many know it doesn't, it doesn't, how many know it can happen like that? One decision. I tell my kids all the time, you know, being in Nashville, as, you know, as Don Nimrod, handing out money to, to a homeless person, you know, we don't judge homeless people, but I tell my kids, when, you, when we see somebody down tonight, we're going to help minister to them. And, and I said, but we're all just one decision away. One decision away from spiraling. One decision away. One circumstance away. And as I think about David, still a man after God's own heart. Here, here's one thing, you know, when we all die, go to heaven, and, and you know, nobody's going to go up to King David. When they... Anybody got Bible characters you want to see when you get to heaven? I do. Yeah, make sure I'm in the right place. Okay? Just make sure I'm in the... So, but this is what I know for sure. Nobody's going to run up to King David and say, hey, man, tell me, how was it to be with Bathsheba? And if, if you do that, that's not David, and you're not in heaven. I guarantee you. But you'll run up to David and say, man, can you, can, you, can you sing a worship song? Let me just, tell me what it was like to, to be in the cave 
and you're writing, writing scriptures and writing psalms that we read today while you're in a cave running for your life. Tell me about that time, David. Those are the conversations we're going to have with King David. But, but I, want to, I want to zero in on this, and, and I'm, I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to, we're going to transition into some worship, and, uh, which is another component of loving God. But King David, you know, it's in, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Please go home and read that story. It's not going to be on, on, the, on the big screen, but go home and read that story. I'm going to give you a recap. King David should have been out at war with the rest of the kings and his men out and instead, he took the day off, and he's walking around on the rooftop, and he sees Bathsheba down there taking a bath, and long story short, uh, he sends his men to get her, and they bring her to David. They ended up um, sleeping together, and then she gets pregnant. She tells David, and David immediately, and here, here was a man after God's own heart, a worshiper. God even declared that, David. He said, he said this is, he, he's after my own heart. And this is the importance of you and I knowing we've got to stay close to the love of God. Because apart from it, the Bible says the heart is wicked. Everybody say wicked. You ever, you ever been in a, this is where I'm going to tell off on myself, but we've all been there. You ever been mad at somebody or just something and you just thought of 10 different ways you could take them out and not get caught? Don't look at me all sanctified. Y'all know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Y'all know it. The heart is wicked. That's why we've got we've to stay close to God's love and allow his love to continually flow through our hearts. The heart's very wicked. And David, in this one decision that began to spiral, that she comes back and says, hey, I'm pregnant. David went into this self-preservation mode. I got to figure, figure it out. I don't want to deal with this. I, I got to figure it out. And, and instead of going to God, Rick, quickly, he's like, I got to figure this out. And the first thing he was like, okay, her husband's out at battle. Let me send word and tell him, hey, man, you've been doing a good job. Come back home and, and you can spend some time with your wife because he's thinking if, they, if he comes back home, You'll sleep with his wife, and then, and then we'll say that's his child that she's pregnant with. So that's, this is the man that's after God's own heart. But he's drifting. Y'all tracking with me? He's drifting. You ever drifted so far your feet couldn't touch the, the bottom of the, You're drifting. Now you're, now you're drifting. You're not grounded anymore. You're drifting. So Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, when he got the message, he was like, man, I, I can't go home to my family while my men are out on the battlefield. So he never even went back home, and David found out. It's like, man, that didn't work. And he thought, I got to cover this up. He's still drifting. He's drifting on his own. He said, I got to fix this. He goes, I know what I'll do. I'll send word and tell them to put Uriah, who's Bathsheba's husband, put him in the heat of the battle. What's he doing? He's plotting his murder. Put him in the heat of the battle. I want him on the front line because that's where you're probably going to get killed. They put him on the front line. David's plan worked out this time. Uriah got killed. And, but he's still drifting. 
He's still drifting. One sin kind of snowballed to another. Now, I don't need to sleep with somebody's wife. Now he's, now he's a murderer. He's drifting. And in that moment of him drifting, God's love still finds him. God's love finds him. And the Bible says this. God, God sends a, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'm going to read this to you. Because God will speak your language to get a hold of you. Sometimes he's got to speak your language. Because you've drifted so far and you're in your own and you're, try, you're, you're trying to be in control of it. 2 Samuel 12, it says this, So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. So this prophet goes up to David and he goes, There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled that little lamb in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. He said, as surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. David is out here drifting, but all of a sudden, somebody comes and begins to speak a language where he can understand. Now, now it's almost like a shift going back into his right mind. He saw an injustice. And in that moment, the prophet looks at him and says, Thou art the man. David realized, oh, he's not talking about sheep and lamb and goats. He's talking about what I just did in my dark moments and I thought nobody knew about it and I'm drifting on my own and the Bible goes on to say this it says then David confessed to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord Nathan replied yes but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin that's the goodness of God that's that tough love when you're drifting so far away it takes that tough love to hit you. And in that moment, David began to repent. Found himself back receiving the love of God. This help anybody today? This has helped me, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's receiving God's love. This is what we've got to commit to on a daily basis. There's so much chaos in the world. There's so much hatred in the world. There's so much division in the world. And there's so much that we can get caught up to and find ourselves drifting away. But allow the love of God today and beyond this day to be that magnet that draws you back in. David immediately repented because God was speaking his language. And I don't know what you could be going through today. This is not to convict or judge anybody, but this is for us to 
to fix that flickering light so that we can be the bright lights that shine in this dark world. Amen? I'm telling you, God is good. As we commit, loving God is not a feeling, it's a commitment. As we commit to loving Him and stay in the process, it's a journey. But don't beat yourself up and don't allow the devil to beat you up. Keep your heart right, pure towards God. Don't take advantage of his goodness. But be thankful for his goodness. Let it change you from the inside out. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Mm, I feel this strong. Mm, God, you are so good. So good. We thank you, Lord. Pastor Patrick's here. We're going to transition into a moment of worship. and At the end of that, I'm going to come back and we're going to receive communion. And then we're just going to hang out as a church body. If anybody wants to fellowship with us after that, uh, after service, we'd love that. But this is that other component of loving God. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to preach that. I'm going to let Patrick preach it. I'll be back. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.